I'm, I'm so excited to share this message this morning. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I am really excited about what God, I believe, is speaking through the message that we're going to talk about this morning. Um, but we are going to barricade the doors so that you cannot leave until you've heard the complete message. Um, and you'll understand what I mean as we read the scripture. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Question mark. Thus we barricade the doors. You know... uh, I had, the, I had the great privilege of speaking at the Young Married Group on Thursday. Um, if, if you didn't know it, on Thursday nights we have a, we have a connect group for young marrieds. These are, the, you know, if you're married with kids, it's different. You know, these are, this is before they have kids, you know, and it's, oh, they're, oh, they just adore each other. It's great. It's great to go. Um, but if you're a young married... It's a great group of meets on Thursday, and we talked about the scripture, and I started with, you know, the question, did we find some missing piece of scripture? You know, is this another Da Vinci Code in the making? The lost words of Jesus. Does this jibe with the rest of what we've been taught and what we believe about Jesus? How does this fit into the good news of Jesus? Does this sound like good news? If you look just at the words, it doesn't look like good news. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. We've been talking about the kingdom of God for the last four four or five messages. And uh, if you were here a couple months ago, you know that this is something I'm really excited about. It's the kingdom of God and all of the, the discussion in the Bible about the kingdom of God and what it is and how central it is to the message of Jesus. So I wanted to take the opportunity this morning to be able to speak in the kingdom of God again. And that's, I believe, exactly what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the righteousness of the kingdom of God. He is, he's laying the groundwork, the understanding that the kingdom that I'm speaking of is a very righteous kingdom. The righteousness of the kingdom of God. And it's a deep scripture. It's a deep paragraph that I believe we can unravel this morning and we can experience a blessing that there can be fruit from this. But let's pray right now. Let's pray that the Spirit would meet us this morning, that He would illuminate the Scripture in our lives. God, we invite You to come. We ask that You would take words and turn them into truth. God, that You would take this teaching and that You would turn it into truth for us to live by. God, that it would bring real transformation, real change real opportunity to experience your power in our lives. We ask you to come and to do that this morning through this talk. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a look at 
the context of this. So this is Matthew 5, 17 through 20. It's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Probably one of the longest teachings that we have from Jesus, right? Of, of, of a continuous teaching. I believe that it, it's not to be taken, you know, let's just take one section and teach that one little piece. It's hard to do that because there's so much to the bigger message. This is a, a message to be taken in, in its entirety. So if you look at this scripture outside of everything else, it seems opposite to the gospel. It seems opposite to everything that we believe about what Jesus' message is. So let's kind of place it in context here for a second. Just before this, Jesus has just finished the Beatitudes, where he said, Blessed are you who thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you who think you are far away from God. Ultimately, the message of Jesus in the Beatitudes is blessed are you, you here. Blessed are you that are struggling with these different things. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you who have been told that you are far away from God and there's no way for you to enter into his presence. Why are you blessed? Because this is part of the message of Jesus that the kingdom of God is near. Blessed are you because the kingdom of God is near to you. Blessed are you because the kingdom of God has drawn close to you in the power and in the presence of Jesus. And then it goes into this scripture where he talks about, don't think that I've come to abolish everything you've ever learned. Don't think that I've come to abolish the law and the teachings that that you've had for for years. I haven't done to do that. I haven't come to do that. And then the next thing that he says right after this is followed by what some people will call the six or the seven commands of Jesus. The six or seven commands of Jesus where he says things like, um, you've heard it said not to commit adultery, but I say not to look lustfully at, at a woman. You've heard it said that you shouldn't commit murder, but, but I say that you shouldn't be angry. These are the commands of Jesus. So he's setting the stage. He's in between the Beatitudes and he's about to tell these specific commands of Jesus. And then in just a few chapters, we have him saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In a direct contradiction to the teachers of the law and to the Pharisees. But he, he, he just said that our righteousness has to surpass them. And then he gives these commands. Think about the commands of Jesus. Just at face value. Hey, you've heard it said not to murder, but I say you shouldn't even be angry. Praise God. Oh, thank you for relieving my burden. Oh, you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery, but I say you shouldn't look lustfully at a woman. Oh, great. Awesome. I feel that burden just lifted away. You see what I mean? When we look at this scripture... When we look at the scripture and we think of it as Jesus laying out another law. We come to the conclusion that it's not any better than what we had. It's not good news, is it? It's not the gospel of Jesus. If all Jesus did was come to lay out another set of rules, another law. It's not the good news. So we have to ask the question, what does he mean? What's he getting at? What's the point? First, let me say something about righteousness. You know, we talk about, we're going to use the term a lot this morning. So I just want to say that righteousness would be a right standing with God. 
it would be it would be a standing with God that you are righteous. You can stand before him. There's nothing in the way. One person said that it's it's the person as they ought to be true inner goodness, the condition acceptable to God. So when he says things like, unless your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Some would say, you know what? Jesus is trying to make a point here. He's trying to make the point that we should abandon the pursuit of righteousness. That you can't do it. You know what? Righteousness, the kind of righteousness that's required for the kingdom of heaven is so much greater than you could ever achieve. You just shouldn't try. That we shouldn't try to live up to the law. We shouldn't try to live up to to anything because we can't. So it's all about grace. It's all about just, you know, living life and believing in Jesus. We as Christians, some of us have have come to believe that. And so we look at the commands of Jesus and we, we kind of dismiss them as saying they're impossible. And if that was his point, it seemed like he went to a great length to make that point. It seemed like he could have done it a little bit easier. Hey, you guys just can't hack it, so give up. Let me do the work for you. He could have just said that, but he goes into very specific examples of what he means by the righteousness of the kingdom. This kingdom that he's preaching about, this kingdom that he's announcing is is righteous, and he gives stories to illustrate. He says, look, no, 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 you guys have heard that, you know, you shouldn't murder. But the kind of righteousness that's that's in the kingdom that I'm describing to you, you, you shouldn't even be angry. That if you could accept the righteousness that I'm describing, there won't even be anger in you. You've heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery. But you can do that and still lust in your heart. That's not the righteousness of the kingdom that I've come to announce. The kingdom that has drawn near to you. The kingdom that is calling you. The message that Jesus brings. So, the thing that I think most of us struggle with is that Jesus is giving us a new law. Jesus is laying out a new set of rules for us. And in theory, you know, we all say, no, ha, 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 I'm not a legalist. I don't believe that. But we live our lives that way. We believe that Jesus has laid out a law. We believe that when he says, you know what? You can't get divorced for any reason other than adultery, which isn't even in all the the Gospels. But we take that as a law of Jesus, don't we? If I can live to the law... But Jesus' point is, it, it, it's, not, it's not about the divorce. It's about your heart. You can stay married to your spouse and still treat them like crap. That's not the righteousness of the, of, of the kingdom that he's announcing. He's not trying to lay out a comprehensive, if you do these seven things, hey, you're awesome in the kingdom of God. That's not his point. And, and, and sometimes we take it to be that way. We take it as this is the law of Christ, that if I just do these things, that I'll be righteous in the kingdom, that I'm living up to what Jesus has done. But we're missing the point. He's saying that the righteousness of the kingdom is so great that you, you can't do it as, a, as an external measure. You can't just abide by a set of rules. And we love rules. Deep down, we all love rules. You might say, no, no, not me. No, no you. We all, it's much easier for us to deal with rules. Okay, I, I got this great analogy. I'm not allowed, to, I'm not allowed to, to preach about parenting. My wife has told me that. Um, but my son, when he first started to ride his little big wheel, um, you know, we would, take him, we would take him out to the park, and he, he didn't like riding on the road. 
because not because of the cars. There was no cars in the road, but he didn't like the openness. And he didn't know, he'd be kind of like, you know, where am I supposed to go? But man, you put him on the sidewalk where there was nice, clean delineation of where he needed to go, and he would just go straight. That's our natural tendency is we want, just give it to me straight, Jesus. Like some of the people that went up to Jesus, just give it to me straight. What do I need to do? (laughs) Step one, step two, step three. I just want to know. What is it I need to do? What is it I need to stop doing? And then I'm done. But Jesus didn't come to set out a set of of to-dos, unfortunately, for us. Because what he says is that the righteousness of the kingdom is so much more than that. The righteousness of the kingdom is a totally transformed heart. It thinks differently. It acts differently. It's much more than the external. He's illustrating that the righteousness of the kingdom that is to come, that's in our midst in Jesus That we can observe the laws, even the laws that Jesus is saying, but still miss the mark. We can turn the other cheek, but deep down, we want to take the guy out. (laughs) We can observe it on the outside, but not really really live up to this righteousness. One uh, author that I was reading, I, I cannot remember who said this. If somebody knows, they can tell me. But somebody said that the devil's masterpiece is the self made man. The devil's masterpiece is not the prostitute. It's not the addict. It's not the adulterer. The devil's masterpiece, what the devil gets so excited about, is the self-made man. It's the person that says, I've done it. I've done it. I've made it. I've been able to, to achieve the righteousness that's required. I've been able to do this. I've been able to do that. This flies in the face of the righteousness of the kingdom that Jesus is announcing. You can't. Because as soon as you think you've done it, that means you haven't. As soon as that thought comes to your mind, it's not, you cannot do it on your own. This is not something that you can accomplish on your own. The scriptures are filled with things like that our righteous acts are like filthy rags. But when we compare them to the righteousness of Christ, when we compare them to the things that Jesus has done, it, it doesn't stand up. It's not about us. So is Jesus giving us a new law? Is it, is it about us accomplishing? Should we pursue a righteousness that's, that's found by our own effort, by us trying to do the things? And we, we, we easily dismiss the Old Testament. Ha, ha, ha. Those funny Jews, they follow the Old Testament. But then what do we do? We make our own New Testament into a set of laws and we do the same thing as the Pharisees. We make our, these elaborate, you know, well, you can be angry. You can, you can be angry as long as there's a good reason. It's righteous anger. It's, yeah, it's righteous anger. Yeah, no, Jesus didn't say that, but no, he meant it. Deep down, that's what he meant. It's like we become these legalists. I'm sorry, because we all know legalis, legalism is wrong. So let me say it. We, we become these, these uh, Jesus, I just love Jesus, so I want to love people. So I'm going to love people, darn it. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? And we force ourselves and we force it upon ourselves. And that's not the righteousness of the kingdom that he's describing. It's not a righteousness that comes from ourselves. So, now this is, wait, you can't leave. Somebody just left. That is the wrong time to leave. You leave now. You leave now. You're hosed, man. You can't leave. I was left. Okay, so, so far, let me, let me make sure that I've, I've laid this out for you. Right now, you're totally hosed. Because I haven't given you anything. So, Lex, if you leave, you're going to be depressed. 
I can give you the notes later if you really need to. We have to pursue a righteousness. Here's, here's the big point that I'm trying to make this morning. And, and, and it's the challenge of the church. It's the challenge of the church to encourage everyone within the church to pursue an obedience to Christ. To pursue an obedience to, to the commands and to the teaching of Christ. But to do it in a grace-filled way. In a way that's not self-driven, self-righteous. It's a righteousness that comes from the work of Christ. But that is the challenge of church. That is the challenge of, of, of what the gospel is as we go and proclaim it. Think about the Great Commission when Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey the things I've commanded. So there is a balance of obedience in, in living up to the words of Christ. So, so if it's not by the law, then how do we do this? Well, Paul, thank God for Paul, because he's got all kinds of great scripture where he tells us about this righteousness that we can have. In 2 Corinthians 5:21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you're here this morning and you have claimed Christ over your life, you are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Do you believe that? Do you see yourself that way? This morning, do you see yourself and say, you know what? I'm the righteousness of God. Well, if you say it that quickly, I hope you're not self-righteous. If you jump right on it and you go, man, I, do, I am the righteousness of God. You know what I mean? But when we see ourselves in Christ, we say, I am the self-righteous. I'm self-righteous. I am the made righteous by Christ because he loved me, because he lives inside of me. I am made righteous through the work of of Christ. But, like Paul says, we live up to what we've already attained. We've already attained this righteousness, and yet we live up to this righteousness. Paul says that we work out our salvation. So the righteousness that the kingdom has, the righteousness that the kingdom demands, we have in Christ. There's a great quote from, uh, from George Ladd. Do we have that quote up there? We've got a quote this is awesome, um, where he talks about the righteousness required for entrance into the future realm of God's kingdom. God's kingdom, the, the, the authority, the rulership of God. The righteousness that's required is the righteousness that results from God's reign in our lives. The kingdom of God gives to us that which it demands. Otherwise, we could not attain it. This is the gospel. This is the gospel in that that difficult scripture to wrap our arms around when he says, you know, that the kingdom of God is, is righteous and the righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of law and all the things that you could try to do on the outside, all the things that you could try to do to earn God's favor. The righteousness surpasses that. So much so that the only way you could attain that righteousness is if the kingdom of God gave it to you. The kingdom of God has to give us this righteousness. And yet we work it out. It's this process. For the rest of our lives, we will live up to what we've attained. We should obey the commands of Jesus, but not our, on our own. It is a partnership. It's a partnership with him. He, I think he lays it out well for us in John 14. John 14, 15 through 17, he says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, 
he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now, the word that he uses there for counselor is the word that we use for the Holy Spirit. And we translate it different ways, the comforter. Some, some, it, it, it's a word that describes someone who comes alongside of us. That he, he holds us up. He strengthens us. He encourages us. So depending on where it's used, the, you know, the translators are trying to, to, to capture all that this word means. But when it says, if, if you love me, you'll obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. He will give you. In the presence of your life, he will give you someone who will strengthen you, someone that will encourage you, someone that will help you to obey all these things that I've commanded. It's not, it's, you're not on your own. You're not on your own. He's not leaving you there. And, and, and you can try in a partnership with the Holy Spirit, with God's presence in your life, to live up to the righteousness that you've already achieved. When you die, guess what? 100%. You're righteous. But in this life, we will struggle to live out that, that righteousness, to actually see the fruits of the Spirit inside of us, to see those fruits in our lives. But that's what drives us, our love for Christ, our desire to see those fruits released in our life, to be able to experience all the promises of Jesus. Okay, maybe we can let the barricades go on the door. Lex, if you... <laughs> Poor Lex. Does that make sense? I mean, this is the challenge of the church. This is the challenge that we face. This is Christianity lived out. How do we read the New Testament and, and, and not feel this, this weight? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Well, we, we realize that we don't have the weight because all the things that he's telling us, we're yoked to Jesus. We're yoked to his presence in our life through the Spirit. And that he holds... The, the heavy end, <laughs> that it's in a partnership with him that we pursue these things, that we go after the righteousness that we've already achieved. You know, another great analogy, I think, um, a great analogy, I think, you tell me, uh, I'm, not, I'm not what you might call an athlete, like we were saying earlier. I'm probably not going to buy the biker jersey. Um, but that being said, I do like to snowboard. And uh, one of the things that, you learn when you're learning to snowboard. Somebody will, you know, typically a hippie will tell you, um, dude, you just need to like, you need to like see yourself doing the move. Whatever the move is you want to do, you just got to see yourself doing it. And you're like, wow, yeah, that's all I needed. Thanks. But it's true. If you can just see yourself doing whatever the move is that you're trying to do, if you can picture it in your mind and then try it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Your body just does it. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. Maybe there's a supernatural thing here that I haven't understood. But all I know is that it's true. And I believe that there's truth in that when we see ourselves as the righteousness of God, it makes it easier to become the righteousness of God in people's lives. When we see ourselves the way that God sees, sees us, we become that person. The more clearly that we see that. But do you see the difference between that approach and saying, I love Jesus, therefore, um, I'm not going to be angry at people. I'm not going to lust. I'm not going to lust. I'm going to look down. I'm not going to lust. I'm not going to lust. Rather than seeing ourselves as the righteousness of God, seeing ourselves that way, and then these things are the fruits of that, that we begin to experience. The, the obedience is natural. It becomes part of who we are as we become more 
in line with what we see the Scripture tell us. In James, he talks about looking in the mirror. You know, when we look in the mirror, which is the Word of God, we see that we are the righteousness of God. We have to believe that. We have to see ourselves that way, and then we'll live that way. That's not some New Age method, okay? It's a very scriptural approach to living up to what we've already attained. It's not semantics. I'm not trying to, to, to figure out a way to tell you that you need to be a good person. I'm saying you are. You are the righteousness of God. You've already, you've already got it. You just need to see yourself that way, and these things will come out. And so when Jesus makes this message of this is the righteousness the kingdom requires, blessed are you because you have that righteousness. Blessed are you because you can receive that righteousness today in a way that it's never been experienced before. Is it hard? Should it be hard? Should it be discipline? Should it be something that we have to, to work for? Yeah. It's so hard that you have to be transformed. It's so hard that you have to be totally changed. And that's where the scripture promises us that we will be transformed, that we will change, that we will become uh, that which we were not naturally. But when you come to Christ, that's what happens, is this transformation. Let's stand right now and have an opportunity to respond and to ask God to meet us and to speak to us. You know, let me ask, if you could remove the first couple rows and then come, come right back.